This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome everyone to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. Thank you for joining us on this new episode. And uh, thank you for just uh, the encouragement that we have received from all of you guys. Thank you for um, even when you see me in person and have told me how much of an encouragement this podcast has been. Uh, remember, this is a podcast that we focus mainly on bringing the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And we release a new episode every Tuesday at 9 a.m. So thank you to our faithful listeners or viewers on YouTube. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can do that right now by going on the link here on the show notes or the description. And don't forget to follow us on social media too, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And that will be just a way to stay connected with us and to be up to date of, on what's happening on the podcast. I know this has been just a week. Uh, this recording has been just a week, but last week... It's going to be out probably in November, but we were at G3 at the G3 conference. Um, we were able to join them for the first time this year. And it was just so wonderful to meet so many of our brothers and sisters from the Bar Network. So thank you so much to our brother, Dwayne. It was just such a joy to be with everyone serving at the G3 conference and the Bar Network booth and also the Just Thinking. So it was just so wonderful to be there and to participate and to meet everyone Finally in person, because we've just been talking over social media. So thank you uh, to all of the brothers and sisters. We feel so welcomed, and uh, we're just so thankful. And we hope to join, I think it's 2023. That's the next one. So yeah, so we hope and pray that the Lord will give us the opportunity to be there again. And you can just, I'll, I'll probably put the, the link here for the G3 website. So if you guys want to check it out, um, everything that happened, wonderful speakers. We had a lot of pastors from our church, from Grace Community Church. So it was just wonderful to be part of that and um, meet some new people um, for, uh, who were part of the conference. And uh, it was just wonderful. It was just a wonderful time there. But we're back again, and uh, we're so thankful for just the opportunity that we get to come to you guys, uh, like I said, on every Tuesday. And as we do every Tuesday, we do have not one guest, but we have two special guests today. Uh, so we have Bianca and Alex. So welcome, Bianca and Alex, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having us. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here and to share what Christ has done in our lives. Uh, it's a wonder for any Christian to be able to do that. Um, yeah. So we're honored to be here. So thank you for having us. Yeah. Your yeah. hospitality has been wonderful too. So thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. And no, thank you guys. Um, I've been able to hear both of your testimony and I know that it would be an encouragement for believers and for someone who does not know Christ that it will be uh, just an encouragement for them to also know that salvation is offered to everyone. And I know that we're going to have a great time, Lord willing. And Alex has been a great blessing to us, too, because uh, just recently, well, I guess a couple of weeks ago or months ago, I did a uh, interview with Doreen Virtual in her channel, and you graciously helped me with my research, just like reading through it. Um, I don't know if the episode will be out by this time when I release this episode, but thank you so much. Um, we will learn a little bit about your background in, in, in a second. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so, and our hope is that we're hopefully we'll have Alex to come in, bring some teaching on the podcast, and you'll learn about <laughs> what <laughs> once we get to know him a little bit better. Yeah. Lord willing. Yeah. Well, it was my pleasure to offer the resources. Again, it's all by God's grace, mm -hmm. that we can know anything of truth and his salvation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys were able to do that. 
and, mm. and tell tell everyone about the truth about mm. you know Christ and the salvation that He's provided and, and against the false systems of Roman Catholicism. So. Yeah, um, Alexi and Bianca. So normally I like to have my guests, you know, to give us a little background about their upbringing, their family, if with you know if they were raised in a believing home. So I'm gonna start with Alex, and then I'm gonna pass it on to Bianca afterwards. Yeah. So let's start with you, Alex. Okay. So I was an army brat um, growing up. That means my my parents were in the army. I was not in the army. So I was born in Germany. Um, and we stayed there for a little less than a year, so my German wasn't very good by the time I left. <laughs> um, and then we went to South Carolina, where I was raised for another six years or so, maybe seven. And then we went to Washington State, where I grew up. And uh, I spent most of my life in Washington. I was raised in a non-Christian home. Um, my parents have always been Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't, there was no... Catholicism or even Christianity in the home. There was no prayer time before meals. I can remember, you know, going to Mass early on in my childhood, uh, maybe when I was like five or six. And then after a while, they just stopped going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be in part because of my dad going to Iraq um, and that kind of thing, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. I just know that we stopped, or they stopped. Um, and when I did go to Mass, uh, I don't remember anything. I think I brought my Game Boy at one point. Um, <laughs> and I was just playing or I was just laying down. And um, I, I remember going to Sunday school. So that, that was my childhood, I mean, religiously. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there was nothing. There was no, no talk of God, uh, no, no talk of Christ, no talk of heaven or salvation or my sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really raised, um, you know, to do, I mean, you want to be a good person, um, but it was really unrestrained. You know, I, I I did whatever I wanted. My parents are good parents. They are, uh, worldly speaking, and they gave me really everything I desired. Uh, I was a brat, you know, I was a spoiled brat. And we were well off financially, both of them doctors. My dad is still a doctor. I had this, you know, protection and this, um, you know, I, this lavish childhood. I could just say, I want this and they give me that, and that that translated all the way through middle school to high school to college. I got the best of God's common grace. Mm-hmm. Wonderful family, you know, su- you know, supported financially, uh, fit, you know, athletic, playing soccer, football. On the path to medical school, even in college, getting, you know, biochem degree. I say medical school. It was on the path, you know, not. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on the path. Um, so you know. I was like, okay, worldly speaking, I look good. This is fine. I have good friends, um, you know, spending myself on all my desires, sexual immorality. Um, my pride was just, you know, I didn't have any sense of restraining pride or self-exaltation. Life was about me. Mm-hmm. And everyone was in it for my happiness. And then around halfway through college, Right before summer, you know, I got into philosophy, taking philosophy class. And that really just means thinking, you know. So I thought more and I was like, you know what? I have a lot, but I'm not happy. Hmm. And I don't know what else I need to be happy. Um, So I made a lot of changes, you know, in that time. And then come summertime, going into my junior year, summertime, um, I was in Florida. My parents had moved to Florida. 
And I had never been to Florida. I'd, I had no friends there, nothing to do. I don't think I had my game console set up yet. So, um, yeah, I was just there visiting for the summer. Yeah. They had moved when I set foot on the college campus when I was a freshman. So I was there, and I had no idea what God was about to do in my life. And it's, it's amazing how he works through means, just normal, everyday means to draw people to himself. Um, and for me, uh, he used the means of my sin. Mm. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't have much to work with. All of human history is just a history of sin after sin after sin, but he uses all things for his purposes. So that's what he did with, with my life. He used my worldliness, my my pagan thinking to draw me to him. I mean, I just rejoice that he does use these things. Um, just as a side note, um, you think of you think of um, you know Israel's twelve sons, Jacob's mm-hmm. twelve sons. You know, he used their wickedness to preserve the line of Judah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he used a talking donkey mm-hmm. to speak reason mm-hmm. to a false prophet, and he used the greatest sin ever committed in human history: the murder of God. Mm-hmm. You know, in the person of Jesus Christ to accomplish salvation for sinners. He uses means, and that's that's exactly what he did in my life. So I'll tell you what he did, but I, I do want to preface this. Don't do this. Shall we sin that grace may abound? Mm. By no means. Um, so just because God used means in this way for me does not mean you can do that and expect grace. Mm-hmm. I picked up a book. I'm not going to tell you what book it was. It wasn't the Bible, but it, it encouraged me to seek omens, which is forbidden in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deuteronomy 18.10. Uh, we're forbidden from doing you know, sorceries, you know, interpreting omens, that kind of stuff. Well, I wasn't raised Christian. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't have an absolute source of truth to tell me what was right and what was wrong, what was God's will or not. So I was going off of my, my mind as I'm absolute, I'm the sovereign of my life, I determine what's right and wrong, so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I said, it's right for me to do this because I can't see what's wrong with this. Mm-hmm. So I sought omens, and I didn't, I don't know if I knew they were omens at the time. I was, you know, me. I, I mentioned I was thinking, I was taking philosophy, so this was a philosophical, spiritual book, and it encouraged me to speak to the universe and to have communion with the universe and mm. to know the language of the universe. And I was like, okay, I'm super bored in Florida, so I'm going to try that. And I did. And I looked for things. And when you look for things, you you see things. Like if you look for slug bugs, uh, I think that's what they're called, the, the cars, you'll see them everywhere. And you'll be like, slug bug, and you, you punch somebody. <laughs> um, and you see them everywhere. So when you want to look for something, you'll find it. So mm-hmm. I, I saw things in threes. I saw three pelicans or three dolphins. We lived on a waterfront property, so there's a lot of wildlife and, um, you know, just threes, three animal types or whatever. I was like, whoa, okay, this is cool. I feel like every time I see something in three, the universe is speaking to me. And uh, I know, it's, it is funny. It's funny. Uh, looking back at it now, but God can use this. He can use this folly of mine yeah. uh, to draw me to him. So I did that for, I think, a week or two. And then one morning I wake up 
get out of bed. I open the blinds, and on the water, just floating there, um, by God's providence, nothing miraculous, just ordinary wildlife behavior, I guess, were just providentially arranged. On the water, three piles of, I want to say, hundreds of little birds. Um, just, you know, three of them. Like, that's a, that's pretty crazy to see. But when I saw that, you know, I was overcome with some emotion because the only thing I knew from the Bible was that God is a trinity. So God used the only thing I really knew, you know, Roman Catholics got that right. God is a trinity. Mm-hmm. So I knew that. And I was like, okay, I haven't been speaking to the universe. I've been speaking to the God who created the universe. You know, that's what I thought at the time. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, that was emotional. I fell to my knees and I was like, ah, this is amazing. You, you care for me? You see me? I want to know you. I want to know you. This is interesting, more interesting than video games. And um, so I ran downstairs. I went to the store and I bought a Bible. And I bought some crayons, and I read the whole New Testament. And I think it took maybe two weeks. But I was like, this is it. Uh, this is the truth. Um, God has, had used in his providence, you know, those you know, birds or the things in the threes uh, to draw me to him. And I didn't know that I was, you know, a slave to my own thinking. I didn't know the truth. I didn't know that there was a God. I mean, I could have made up a God of my own imagination, and I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing that with the universe. But he drew me to himself, and he drew me to the only source of truth whereby we may know him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read it, and I was like, yes, this is true. You read it, and the children of God, Jesus says, you know, when you, when you hear my words, you, you'll know. My sheep mm-hmm. hear my voice. I think I was saved somewhere in there. In that two weeks of reading the Bible, getting to to see the glory of Christ revealed in Scripture, you know, the glory of his salvation, you know, it is finished. What does that mean? You know, me wrestling with, you know, the words of Christ and and the deeds of Christ in Scripture, um, just on my own. And and so after that, I I read the, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, and then by that time, I had to go back to school, um, and that, that launched a whole new world for me. I was on the path to medical school. No, <laughs> I found something far better, um, far better. So, you know, if I look back at my life, it's, it's kind of like Philippians 3, 4 to 11, taken out of context. Whatever things were gained to me, the things that I thought were supposed to bring me happiness— you know, financial security, going after all my pleasures, all my desires, on the path to a good job um, and a great future, you know. All that seemed to me to be rubbish after a sight of Christ in the scriptures. All, you know, all that was loss. And, And life, to me, became Christ. And that's why, you know, Paul can say in Philippians 1, to live is Christ and to die is gain because I'm with him. I don't want to get too much into the future. We're talking about my childhood, but um, that's, that's kind of my, my childhood, my testimony leading up to that. Um, I just praise God for his sovereign hand and all of that to use even my sin mm-hmm. to draw me to himself in patience and loving kindness. And 
I was a benefactor of all of his, his good things in creation, although I was spurning him. I was a hater of God without knowing it. I rebelled against him. I did not seek him. I did not love him. But that was, that was me. Uh, but he drew me to himself in love and in patience and in kindness. That's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 2, uh, verse 4. They don't think lightly of the patience and kindness of God. It's meant to lead you to repentance. So I lived a good chunk of my life just in rebellion against God. And in his loving kindness, he waited and drew me to himself um, through Christ. So I give him glory for that. And that's, um, that's yeah. my hope. That's my life, mm-hmm. even now. Uh, that was 2013. So okay. you do the math. <laughs> <laughs> you do the math. And so you, like you said, you were raised in a Catholic family, but they didn't really practice any of the religious I guess traditions that like that it's like you know like rosary or you said that you went to mass once in a while. Yeah, my my mind is fuzzy. I think we went like we we definitely went for Christmas mm-hmm. and I think Easter. Those are like the certain days you want to go. So I think we did that. Um, I'm not sure how much I did that in high school. Definitely not in college, um, and I'm not sure about middle school either. But yeah, even if we did go. Um, I don't, I don't remember any, any time my dad, you know, taking me aside and saying, you know, son, let's go through this together. Or let me tell you about the, the teachings of the Lord. They certainly wanted me to live morally, morally Mm -hmm. upright and to not do wrong and to do right. But it wasn't from a fear of God. It was just, it's just the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. It wasn't out of love for Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just, don't do that. It's wrong. Um, but yeah, so that that was my upbringing. My sister's as well. Um, I don't think I mentioned her. But yeah, she was um, going along with me. Um, I think it was just hard for my parents. Um, my dad um, going to Iraq, my mom getting cancer at the mm-hmm. same time. So I think that kind of shook them up a little bit. Um, but when I came to faith in 2013, their faith was kind of revived at that time too. And the more I press into christ into the truth of scripture um it's the more that they're pressing into roman catholicism Mm. um uh, it's kind of like you know a defense um you know i i see what you're saying i understand but no we 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 don't want that um so i understand i was actually when i first was saved i was a catholic i say that because i didn't know anything else Mm. Um, when I was first saved, I didn't know that there was a difference really between Protestant and Catholic other than the building you chose to go to and, you know, the certain, you know, sitting down, kneeling, all those things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, the, the Catholic, you know, church, their, their buildings are beautiful. It seems like they have more things in order. Um, it seems like they have more history, but it's all the same, right? They're all teaching the same thing. We're reading from the same Bible. And so for the you know, the next year and a half, I would, you know, tell everyone I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I just like it better. Yeah. Um, and no one questioned me in college. No one was like, hey, did you know um, their system is actually false? Mm. Um, no one took me aside. Um, but, you know, God's providence, again, he, he can guide us through all yeah. that. My, my story, <laughs> there was one girl 
who intentionally or not intentionally, uh, she was part of my young adult group. She, she wanted to know more about Catholicism. And she's like, can we talk about the Eucharist? Because I don't know anything about that. And I was like, I'd love to. Come on. Let's talk about it. She's like, can you tell me why, why you drink the, the wine? And I said, well, we, we believe that it's actually Christ's blood. And by drinking it, we can get forgiveness of sins. You know, we get grace when we do these things. And she goes, oh, man, that's interesting, because I thought we were already forgiven of all of our sins when we placed our trust in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're right. You're right. Don't, don't listen to what I just said. You're right. That's what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. What am I doing thinking that I can earn grace? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just keep getting forgiveness. It happened once on the cross. That's where my sins were paid for. And so from that moment forward, I, I was like, okay, there's a difference, mm-hmm. a major one. I'm no longer a Catholic. I guess I was a Protestant. Um, but even then I had trouble because I was thrust into this, the charismatic movement because mm. um, that's what was near me next. So let's uh, take yeah. a, let me see, because there are like so many different pieces <laughs> in here that I want to know, how do you get to from the the first point, which is like, you start reading the Bible on your own. You don't have anyone teaching you the Bible, right? So, yeah. and you're reading through the Gospels and you read uh, through the Old Testament. So what happened from that point? Like, you're in college at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is the next step in, in your life? What comes next after, like, finding the Bible, reading the Bible, reading through, through it by yourself, and, you know, and just learning about the scriptures. Mm. So what comes next after that point? Yeah. I get saved somewhere in that two weeks of reading the New Testament, I believe. Um, and then I take the next two weeks to read the old, you know, the first five books of the old. And then I go back to college. And, and this is in Washington State. Um, immediately, I join a Christian group. And uh, like, I'm on fire. I'm like, this is wonderful. This is the truth. And I look around. And I, remember, I remember vividly looking around at all the other Christian leaders, and they're just, you know, slouching, and they're just lazily, you know, like, guys, this is wonderful. We're Christians. We know the truth. Like, I don't know. Like, I was like, come on, where's our joy? (laughs) Because I was super joyful because I found Christ, or he found me. (laughs) I thought I found him until, you know, and we love because he first loved us. And so I'm like, where's our joy? Come on, what are we doing? So that's another thing, but... (laughs) Um, so I, I get involved in Christian leadership. They see my excitement. They see my love for scripture. They don't test my theology. They don't test my doctrine, but they see I'm really excited. Um, so they, they put me in a leadership position. I'm teaching, um, co-ed Bible studies. I'm teaching young adult men groups. Um, and I'm teaching bad stuff. (laughs) I'm not teaching. I don't know what I'm teaching. I just open it up and I'm like, this is awesome, guys. I read this the other day. <laughs> Let's talk about it. And, uh, you know, I'm teaching on, I had my, one of my men's groups, we, were, we talked about the seven deadly sins. Cause like, that's awesome. Let's work on this. Let's get better. And I was just all over the place. I didn't have truth. I didn't have anyone to, to, to disciple me. They would say they were my, dis- you know, they were discipling me. But discipling me in the truth, that's, that was a huge part of my frustration as a Christian, was where, where's the truth? And I, 
you know, how do I understand these things? And I keep getting bounced around between Roman Catholicism, the charismatic movement, the social justice gospel. Mm. And, you know, I'm trying all these things about Christianity that I think I'm, that I think are true. You know, I'm, I I try healing. It doesn't work. I try speaking in tongues. I can't do it. (laughs) And I try all these things. I'm like, this is so confusing. I'm so frustrated. Um, so that's, that's another year and a half or maybe two years, um, of me just trying to figure this thing out really on my own. Mm. Uh, there was other Christians around me. Uh, we would pray together. Um, but none of us really knew the truth. We were all just guessing, mm. even in college, even my leaders. I look mm. back and I, I know their theology now, but we're, we really don't know it. I think, uh, I think around senior year, maybe a little bit after that. Oh, it was after that. This is where John MacArthur comes in. This is where John Piper comes in. This is where Paul Washer comes in. This is where Archie Sproul and, you know, the Puritans come in. This is where I start to see, okay, there is truth here. You know, this is, I pick up their books. I watch their videos. Um, How do you come across those things? Yeah. So that's, that was after a year and a half of being, in seminary, not TMS, a different seminary, and one that's not very good. I won't mention them on here. Um, but they were the easiest to find. So wait. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, so you're in college. Yeah. But then you decided, uh, how did you decide to go to the seminary, though? Like, how do you end up yeah. in the seminary? So you're in college, you were going to... Uh, you were to going to med school or something, or I yeah, I mean, before I was saved, that's where I thought I was going. But once I got saved, I was like, "There's nothing I'd rather do than read, I, read this and tell people about it." Um, I didn't know I would be, a, you know, I didn't know I would go to seminary. I didn't know I would want to be a pastor. I was like, "Far, far be it from me." I, I don't want to do that. Okay. I just want to read this. And I don't know what the Lord wants me to do, but I, I want to do what he wants me to do. So you um, decide then instead of this path of like college, right. Or school to go there. So you decide I'm going to go to seminary. Well, that's a longer story. Actually, it's actually pretty funny too. So I think it, yes. Um, senior year, summer after I graduated. So this is after senior year, summer after graduation. Yeah. So I was serving the Salvation Army um, because I knew I was taught that Jesus calls you when you're working. He called, you know, Simon and his brother and John and James when they were working, you know, as fishermen. And he called Matthew when he's at his tax collector booth. So I was like, I got to work. He's, he's going to call me to my next thing. I, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want him to call me. So I'm going to wait for him. I'm going to wait for him to call me. And guys, don't do what I did, but <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. I had been leading or uh, serving at the Salvation Army for a couple of years every summer, um, so I, I was pretty familiar with how it goes, who comes, the volunteers. Um, I was serving one day. I think I was cutting bread or corn, and some lady walks in, uh, a new volunteer I've never seen, and she comes straight to me. And she, I mean, I don't. She doesn't pick up any, you know, cleaning things. She doesn't do anything. She comes straight to me, 
And she says, what's the one thing you can do over and over again and never get tired of doing? And I thought she was just joking, like we're just having fun. So I was like, I was just thinking like video games, I can eat, you know. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, she's like, I'm going to ask you again. What's the one thing you can do over and over again and never get tired of doing? When you know that, you know God's will for your life. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> um, I was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know what I can do. I'm trying to figure that out. And so I was like, I, I, I don't know. And she's go, she goes, okay, I'm going to let you have it. I'm an apostolic prophetic minister. And I know God's will for your life. And I was like, that's so cool. Because again, I don't know truth. I don't, I can't, I didn't know that she can't be an apostle. She can't be a prophet and she can't be a minister. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. So I was like, that is so cool. But I was a bit skeptical. So I was like, okay. And she goes, I'm, I'm going to tell you what you can't get tired of doing. You love teaching. And I was like, I do. She got it right. She got good guess. Good guess. I was like, I do love teaching. Um, and she goes, and I know God's will for your life. And I was like, okay. She goes, you're going to be a great pastor one day. And I was like, a pastor? Because I, I think, yeah, at this time, I was like, wait, don't you mean, don't you mean priest? Because I think at this time I was still a Catholic. It's all mixed up. And uh, so she's like, you're going to be a great, great pastor one day. And I was like, oh, okay. That throws me off a little bit because <laughs> uh, I'm Catholic. Um, and then she tells me more things that are very vague. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'm just going to write this down and I'll be right back. And I go write this down on my phone, take some notes. I still have them. I come back and she's gone. And I was like, wait, I wanted to ask her, like, did she mean priest? Um, so I never saw her again. She just came to tell me that. But that, that set me off on a path. God used that. I mean, God uses means, right? He uses sin. He uses false prophets, Balaam, to accomplish his purposes. So this is just the story of me making mistake after mistake after mistake, sin after sin, and God using that for his good purposes in my life. Mm -hmm. That's my story, really. But anyway, so after that, I went home. Um, I, I got the yellow pages or the white pages, and I looked up every... I got her name. Because I wanted to call her and be like, okay, I need more information here. And I called every, I'm not going to say her name, but there was three of them. And none of them answered. So I was like, okay, I'm going to call every pastor and priest that I know and see what they think. None of the priests answered their phones. And I called one pastor and he answered. And he was in Washington. I was in Florida. And I was like, this is what happened. This is what she said. What do you think? And he goes, let's find out. Let's find out if he's called you to be a pastor. Why don't you come over and do a pastoral internship for a year, and we'll see. So I was like, okay, we'll do that. And so go over to uh, Washington, and uh, that sets me off on the path to possibly being a pastor one day. And then I do a year of that, and then I come back to, to Florida, and that's when I start seminary at this other place. It's online. Long story short, it wasn't good. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but... As I'm learning, as I'm reading, um, I'm learning that I'm not really learning the truth um, as I see it in Scripture, um, mm -hmm. but I'm getting good grades, and I'm 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 writing like Arminian papers, 
um, I'm evangelizing wrong. I found myself, <laughs> like, for example, I found myself at a drive through McDonald's. This is for an assignment. I paid for the lady behind me, left a card, and I said, I paid for your meal, but Jesus Christ paid for your eternal life. And then I thought that was evangelizing. Mm. And it wasn't. That's not evangelism. But I got an A. And I'm like, this is wrong. <laughs> I sh- you know, I know that's wrong. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I stop. I stop after a year and a half. I intended to go back. I never did. Because mm. when I stopped, I picked up my own books that I wanted to read. And I found John MacArthur. I found, I forgot which book it was. Maybe evangelism um, or preaching. One of his books. And I was like, yes, this is, this is it. Who's associated with him and where is he? Um, so I read more of, you know, the guys around him, R.C. Sproul, got to Spurgeon, mm-hmm. you know, through, through that. And I got to the Puritans and then I was like, okay, where's his church? And I look it up and Bianca this time is, is living in California. Um, she's living in Chino and I look up his church and it's in LA and I'm like, what? It's so close to Bianca. <laughs> So I was like, I gotta find a way. <laughs> now I have two motivations to get to California, but that's that we're overlapping another story. Yeah. So you find, you know, you find some books uh, by uh, Pastor John, and then that leads you to R.C. Sproul and Paul Washer and all them. so on, all of a them, lot and of videos. videos, a lot of YouTube, and YouTube videos yeah. as well. And this is where you finally are exposed for the first time to the truth, the truth, the actual truth. Yeah. So I do want to ask you about because you say like oh the I was I got involved in to the Roman Catholic Church. How do you get involved? Uh, what what drove you to that? Like mm. what, what is happening at that moment in your life uh, of being in the Catholic Church? How are you involved in it? Yeah, when I gave my life to Christ, or when He called me to Himself, um, I loved. I mean, of course, I still love Him more than ever. I, I loved Him then. Um, he opened my eyes to see his glory and he was satisfying to my soul more than anything else that I've experienced in my life or known. So when I was a Catholic, I wanted to be the best. I would go to mass every single day, um, Monday through Friday and then Sunday, um, daily mass. It was me. I remember the people. It was just every morning, uh, cause only like the best Catholics go every day, you know, <laughs> it was at 5 a.m. Uh, I think it was like six, five or six a.m. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, I want God to know how much I love Him, and this is way, this is a way for me to do that. And I think along the way too, I think I'm, I'm thinking that this is good for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm making Him pleased with me. Mm-hmm. Like He'll love me more if I do this. I think along the way, I just got that from the teachings of like some bishop or just the Catholic guys I was listening to um, that. If I, the more I do this, the more I'm pleasing him. Now I know I can't do that. Um, God is love. It's unchanging. He's loved me from eternity past. If, you know, if we can even think of that from everlasting to everlasting, he's always loved me, but only in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and Christ has fully satisfied the father and his love for me cannot diminish or increase. But I thought by me me going to mass every day by me being tired you know uh you know i gotta just sacrifice and do these duties i would pray five times a day the the there's a roman missal 
morning prayer, afternoon, those kind of things. I was like, okay, if I do these things, he'll see that I, I really love him and he'll be pleased with me. So I, I wanted to please him. I didn't know. I guess I didn't know that I was fully pleasing to him in Christ, that he loves me perfectly and he cannot love me any less. He'd be changing and that's no God. Mm-hmm. So he's unchanging. So that that's that's what it looked like for me to be in the Catholic system or the Catholic church. And I understand why my parents are in that. It's hard to get out. And it's I was telling you what it's beautiful in here. We have so much history. And you know, but that's what we're taught. And you know, yet there is history. It's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um and I just thought, well now I know that the, the Protestant, you know, their history you know, the gospel has gone far back to, you know, the Apostle Paul. And it's been there all throughout history. The, the Protestant gospel of the Reformation, that's been there. Um, I didn't know that. The Catholic Church is very good at, you know, making us look really bad. They are. They are very good. And so it's really easy just to say, oh, look, they have 30,000 different denominations. They have no idea. They don't have one unified church. Um, and so it's really easy to be like, yeah, pff, why would I go that way? Um, that's not, that's unintelligible as a Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand why people are stuck in that system. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to know that that's not true at all. It's simply not true. And I think really the the test is the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course you can have someone talking about all those other points, 30,000 different denominations, we could talk about that. We can talk about if we asked every Roman Catholic what they thought and all their doctrine and just write it all down, it would all be different. You'd have probably a million, mm-hmm. maybe a billion different views on Christ um, yeah. and salvation. But you guys are just stuck in one system. Um, but anyway, that was that's who I was trying to please God. Um I didn't know that it was already fully accomplished for me. Um, the, the satisfying of God's holiness and his justice on my behalf because of the atoning work of Christ. Yeah. Um, it is finished. Not, it is ready mm-hmm. for me to walk through or for me to do. He accomplished it. Um, everything that I need to be made right with God, to have peace with God. Um, there's no more work left to be done. It's all of grace. Mm-hmm. So, and I also um, was dragging her along with me when we first met, and that's again overlapping another story. But she would actually come to mass with me too. She mm. was actually not a believer when we yeah. met. But, so I want to come back later, yeah, because um, on how you like you know what happens next after you know you find the books of Pastor John and everyone. But it seems like she's already connected. Down here, she's already in, in a, <laughs> down here in California. So I'm going to give it up to Bianca now and just tell me a little bit about, again, like your upbringing, your family, um, where were you born, raised and lived, <laughs> like all of those things. And just like, how do you get to, you know, because I know part of your testimony is attached to, it's connected to his. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys meet and all that? Yeah. yeah. So you can take him for that. I grew up in California, Diamond Bar, um, Typical Asian family. My parents weren't religious. Like, there are a couple times when we go to this branch of Taoism, they'd have a temple at someone's house. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And like my mom and dad, they would bring us as children and we'd go there. And we'd do like these prayers on the mat. Like, I, I don't know what you would call it in English, but we just pray with the incense. And um, it was very ritualistic. And my sister and I would compete to say like, or to see who could count to a thousand the fastest because like we literally did like a thousand paths to like different deities and so like that was childhood and I I still wouldn't say like my parents were religious then it was just something that they did because like it was a it was an Asian community that they could connect with and so that's how we were there it was mostly a social thing and I remember maybe around like elementary school my parents friends Uh, He was our real estate agent, but he was also a family friend, and he would invite us to church. Mm -hmm. And it was out of middle school, and then my parents would go. I didn't know anything about what was taught during the services because my sister and I were still children. So we'd go to the children's classes, but, like, I have no recollection of any of the lessons. Like, even throughout high school and even college, like, when he was first telling me about Christ, I was just like, who? (laughs) I I only had... um, (laughs) Just like the portrayals from TV shows and media, and it was all about like wacko, eccentric Christians who are just like very, very radical, and they just do crazy things. And I just had the lowest view of Christians, mm. and actually religion in general, because um, my mom can be a bit of a talker, and when she gets on a topic, especially like um, the Taoism. Uh, it's not exactly Taoism. Like, if you look it up, they wouldn't have anything that they they practice on the internet. Mm-hmm. But um, she would kind of get into these, like, monologues with me, and I really didn't like them. And so I was very adverse to talks about religion. And throughout high school, like, my friends knew, like, oh, yeah, don't, don't talk to her about that. Because I would be like, you're either going to stop now or I'm going to walk away, mm-hmm. um, especially in college, too. Um, and that kind of ties into... Uh, the kind of life I was living back then, like Alex, a model child, didn't get into anything wrong, no drugs, no crime, um, good grades, uh, pretty much did exactly what you would think a secular child of the world would do to like please their parents, like mm. working hard to get to college and then after college wanting to get a good job and career to take care of parents. And that's very big in our culture, which is just like honoring the parents and filial piety. And that's what my sister and I were brought up in. You like respect your elders. Like that was very important. Like you could do some other things, but like you better greet that auntie. You better <laughs> greet that uncle. Like it, it was very much um, a, 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 an honor system. Mm-hmm. And so even now, like there are still times where I feel like a sense of guilt and like, not Mm. fulfilling my parents wishes sometimes Mm. and um so like he would say his idols was like video games worldly pleasures that for me like it was my family if I had to like categorize it um just because everything I did like I wanted to do like for them and like I was very prideful because of that because in my mind I was like I fulfilled everything like I'm I'm doing what a child would do and I'm not the perfect child but I'm like way better than so many other children in 
of other school systems. I don't give you any trouble. I don't like I, I, I talk back sometimes, but it's not like I was a delinquent <laughs> or anything. And so my sister and I, and she's she's still living in the world. Um, she's exactly who I would be if I weren't a Christian mm-hmm. now. And we are just so prideful in ourself. Um, everything that we did was our own efforts. Like I did all the hard work to do well in school, to do extracurriculars, to try to get to college, things like that. And we were very puffed up in our worldly knowledge too. Um, I'd say that she knows a lot more about the world than I do, but we were very much together in that sense against our parents because they were immigrants and there'd be a lot of like pride with our knowledge that we learned from Mm -hmm. school that they didn't really learn. And so a large part of our pride came from knowing more than our parents. And so that really was reflected in the way we talked to them and interacted with them. And um, even now I'm just, I can see a lot of it in my sister, like the arrogance talking back and just the self um focusedness but also like it it's very subtly disguised in the sense of like okay even though I'm like this outwardly inwardly I really care about my parents like I'm really compassionate and so like the inside of the heart was what mattered and so that's what we kind of lived our earlier lives with is like even though we're like this, we're not as bad as those people. And inside we're like, we're, we're still like, we care a lot mm-hmm. about the most important thing, which is family. A lot of pride came from that. And it was very difficult. And like, he was evangelizing to me. Um, I'd be like, I, like, I had no sense of the, my sin, basically. Mm-hmm. It just felt like I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I, I mean, yeah, there were times when, I was a difficult person or I lied, but I just never really, I, I can never feel the weight of my sin, especially growing up in my household. It just, everyone mainly was their own person and we never were really reflective on um, do what we did wrong. Yeah. Like apologizing or like just going back and seeing what we could do better. We just would compartmentalize it leave it there and move on. So like any disputes or any, yeah, anything, we would just do that. And so it really felt like, oh, nothing was wrong. Um, So I I grew up with that mindset, very, very prideful, very stubborn and stuck in my ways. Like I had a friend in high school who was Christian. I I say was because she no longer calls herself a Christian. Mm. Um, but like, I didn't even know she was a Christian throughout all of high school because like she, she never vocalized it, just never told us either. But, uh, it, that was like the main exposure I got. And so like my first time hearing about Christ, actually hearing about Christ was actually from him, like in college. And that was in my junior year, closer to senior. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was very funny because uh, I, like I said, I would walk away from religious conversations because I, I could get very argumentative um, and I just didn't care to 
be in that position or have an actual conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. And so that's why God used him in that way. Was pretty receptive to listening to him share the gospel. We met in our junior year and he was a Christian, a new Christian then. And uh, we had kind of a similar friend circle. So we did kind of overlap at times and we got to know each other, started hanging out more. That was when he started taking me to mass too. <laughs> and then there, I remember you were going to this one uh, charismatic church with your friend who was also um, in my year. And that's how I knew you. Um, but he, you, you guys were going to this charismatic church and you guys, the first church experience I had. <laughs> it was a charismatic church. It was like a oh charismatic my. church. It was yeah. for Good Friday. And it was, we, it was like, oh yeah, Good Friday service. Sure, I'll go with you guys. Because one of my housemates was going to go too. And she was a Christian. And so I went with them. And it was just an hour of sitting in the dark. Earlier portion of it was watching The Passion. And then it was just, <laughs> just instrumentals. Um, and we were supposed to be very reflective about Christ and what he did on the cross for us. And I was just so awkward for that entire hour and a half. It was like, it was, it was long. <laughs> it was a long time. So you're just getting the passion of the Christ yeah, the church. Yeah, I felt very awkward. And... Um, <laughs> That was, I don't think you had shared the gospel with me then because we weren't dating at that time, but we were just friends and then we had a similar friend group and two of my friends that he knew were Christians and so that's how we kind of blended our groups together. And so that's how I was like, okay, well, you guys are doing that. If I'm mm -hmm. friends with you guys, I'm like, I'll entertain that. That was my first Christian experience. And... um at what point then, like, what happens with you guys? Like, so you guys meet, you're in the mm -hmm. same uh, circle of friends, and yeah. um, at what point does he begin sharing the gospel with you, and what is your response to what he's telling you? Because clearly you didn't have any knowledge of Christ growing up, like, no yeah. mention of Christ mm -hmm. other than whatever you saw, I guess, on movies, which, honestly, it's not the best, yeah. <laughs> you know? So how do you receive that? Yeah, um, I can't quite remember the first time you shared the gospel, but I think it was after we started our relationship, mm. right? I don't remember. <laughs> I'll just call it Like, yeah, that. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's a year ahead of me. And, and so he was he, a believer at this yeah. point? New so believer. you were he was a, a very new believer. believer. So he I'm was, telling you. So he was uh, dating a girl who yes. was not a Christian. Yeah. What is it? What what do they call it? Like missionary dating. Missionary dating. Don't Again, do that. Guys, You're not supposed to. Don't do this at home. <laughs> You're not yeah. supposed to do that. This is my testimony. It's sin after sin after <laughs> sin, and God using it for my good and His glory. Yeah. Yeah. And then you then. So you guys start dating. He starts sharing the gospel. And yeah, I was like, okay, I, I kind of like him, so I guess I'll listen to him, and I could bear through that. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we started dating, it was after he graduated, so that summer when he was doing his reflection and deciding if he wanted to be a pastor, um, that was when we first started dating. Again, don't do that, because I was an unbeliever, and he was a new believer with bad theology. And how are you responding to what he's telling you, like, what's, you know, like... Yeah, at first, it was okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. You just like the guy and you're like, yeah, I mean, like might him. as well just listen to the guy. <laughs> just, yeah. I'll take whatever. I mean, we went into the relationship knowing that he wouldn't marry if I wasn't a Christian. And so yeah, like, I knew that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, where is this? Where are you guys? Are you guys in? I'm in Washington. Oh, so we, you guys meet in Washington yeah, when you go Washington. for the intern, the, for the yeah, seminary. That's where we did our university. Okay. So you guys are in Washington and then you are dating there. And you know that you can't marry, you can't her, marry her if she doesn't convert. Yes. <laughs> so he's not in seminary yet. Yeah. I'm not in seminary yet. Yeah. This okay. is before I even graduate. This, I'm still a new believer. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, and you tell her, like, yeah. so you got to the point that you told her, like, oh, I can't marry you. I know for sure I can't marry, I can't be yoked with an unbeliever. But, but you're dating her. Know. It doesn't say that, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. For the record, I did. I asked a couple people. <laughs> Two out of the three said go for it. I asked my pastor. I asked my music director, and then I asked another guy who's like my age. All Christian. All Christian. Christian. My pastor said yes. Keep dating her. Oh my! And my word. music. All right, you got to get out of the church if you're. Said, yeah, the same thing. Keep dating her. She's awesome. She really helps out setting up, and you know she goes to Bible study with you guys. And then my the guy who is my age, um, he's like, no, get out. You can't do this. And I was like, okay, fine. So I listened to him for like a couple weeks. <laughs> so you broke up with her? No, we were actually friends, just friends at that time. So, okay, this is um, the, the second semester of my junior year. And that's when we first started hanging out. And this is his senior year, second semester. And we start hanging out, getting to know each other, and he realizes that he's, he likes me. And so he asks um, those people, what should I do? And that's when he gets those um, opinions, advice. For a couple of weeks, it's like, okay, we can't really be friends anymore. And <laughs> it was just, I don't even know how we started hanging out again. Like, similar friend group, so we got to see each other more. And so, yeah, that's how that... I, I, it was a roller coaster for her, because it was like... I like you. I want to marry you, but you can't. I can't because you're not a Christian. Oh, by the way, we can't see each other anymore because I was told not to. Yeah. Actually, let's hang out because I, I was told I can. So, <laughs> so it was just like back and forth, yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Do you guys uh, start dating then while you're in Washington? Mm-hmm. So you guys start dating there. Uh, why do you move to like? Because you stay behind, right? You stay in Washington. When? So. Okay, that was my junior year, his senior year. We, we, we met, became friends, and then he graduated, and it's that summer, and then we, we are still talking, like, on text or Skype, and it was like, and I asked him, like, so, okay, so are we gonna, are we actually gonna start a relationship? Because, like, yeah. <laughs> we're talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, let's, let's try it, and we'll see how it goes, and he's like, I'm gonna do my evangelism, <laughs> and I was like, okay. Sure, we'll we'll try it for some time, and then so I continue to stay in Washington because I still have my senior year, and um, at that summer he's back in Florida, but he comes to Washington for his year-long internship. Okay. So for his year-long internship, it was my senior year, and throughout that senior year, uh, we I go with him to uh, the church, help set up, uh, go with him to the Bible studies. And this whole year, this is tying into my um, testimony, uh, how he he tried very hard <laughs> to 
to share the gospel um, many times, writing many essays. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think at one point there was like a 26-page paper I about who Jesus it. is. And I don't think, did you read it? I don't think I did. Yeah, she didn't it. read it. Yeah. He oh. writes a lot of things that I haven't read. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. He, he tried very hard. And I'll, I'll admit I was very open to wanting to be a Christian. <laughs> but like it just, I remember my sentiments back then were I want to, but I really can't. Like you're telling me to and I want to. And you're saying this is the right thing to do, but I just feel like I can't. You're telling me to jump off a cliff without knowing anything on the bottom or like there's fog and uh, you're saying like trust and I'm like I can't like I physically feel mm. felt like I I couldn't and so this was for the whole year um and so at, after like almost that year it got to a point where we were just like well it doesn't seem like I'm gonna be converted anytime soon so this wouldn't go anywhere and so we we're at, at that point where we we're just like okay maybe we should just kind of call it and then one day um I can't quite remember it that well but God really demonstrated his love through Alex and um it just felt like a a dam being opened in a way where I really felt like I couldn't believe but God just uncovered my eyes and gave me faith and it was really it, it showed me a lot about how through my pride, like, because I, I went through my life doing, like, I could do this, I could do that if I worked hard enough at it, and I tried for a year to be a believer, and, like, wanting to believe, but really feeling that I couldn't, and then it just got opened my eyes and gave me faith, and um, that was a really big show of, like, it's, it's nothing that you can do, it's something that God does entirely of his will and his grace, hmm. And it showed him that a lot, too. Like, it's nothing you do. Yeah, but. it was a lesson for me. Uh, I didn't know about the sovereignty of God and salvation. So I'm like, I got to work really hard to get her converted. Um, so I, I tried hard for a long time. And then actually it was when I was giving up. When I finally was like, okay, I don't know what else I can do. Um, God's like, okay, let me try. Boom. You know, a sight of the glory of Christ. You know, open blind eyes. And that's exactly what happened to her uh, when I finally shut my mouth. It was like, I, there's nothing else I can do. And that God was teaching me, you know, it's not you. It's got to be me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he works through the gospel, but mm-hmm. it's his spirit that regenerates a heart um, in the new covenant. And so that's what happened. And it was just out of the blue. Her eyes were opened. All the truth that she had been taught, they came, you know, f- you know right into her eyes and she saw, okay, this is this is the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ is, you know, satisfying. He is the only Savior. I'm a sinner. I know that. Um, mm-hmm. And all those truths just came into her um, because of God's work in her in her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially now as we're learning more um, about the truth and finally understanding more of the theological part of um, our testimonies. Like for me, I knew the gospel. I knew, um, well, yeah, we'll call it the gospel that you presented at that time. Whatever I was telling him. With his theology back then. But uh, like I I knew, like he, he, he had a year that he spent like talking to me about 
all the things that he learned in the Bible, and they were like new things every day. And I knew what he knew because he was telling them to me. But it just like was sh- it just goes to show like you can know so much, mm-hmm. but not have faith. And mm-hmm. uh, it really is the hand of God in that, and it's like nothing that I could have done or he could have done. So the Lord saves you, and you you both are in Washington, right? At this mm-hmm. point, when the Lord saves you, mm-hmm. so what happened after that? What happened to Alex? What happens to Bianca? Like, where do you both go from there? Yeah, well, I go back to California because I graduated, mm-hmm. and I stay there um, until now, mm-hmm. and I. F- Throughout the years, I found a church, a really small one, and it was um, somewhat biblical, like what we would call somewhat biblical right now. Like it wasn't, um, their theology wasn't super far off. And so I got to know the people there and joined a woman's study and just continued to learn. And he went back to Florida after a couple months um, of his internship that ended uh, goes back to Florida, and then he soon starts his um, online seminary, and he's like, throughout that time, he's like teaching me and sharing me with me the things that he's learning, and so that goes on for like the year and a half ish. Mm. So yeah, during that time, I think yeah, a year and a half of you know being taught some good things, some things I questioned. Now I really question. <laughs> Um, yeah, just going back, looking at my stuff, like I wrote that and I got an A, um, I was, yeah, it was not good. You were at all of their plays for I, a long time. I was time. all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Roman Catholic, charismatic, social justice. I didn't even like the racial, the social justice gospel. I wasn't mm-hmm. into that. Even when I was in it, I was like fighting it. I was like, this mm-hmm. is not, I don't like this. Um, and then I feel like I was an Arminian, uh, for a good part of it. Um, wow. Yeah. At the same time, I was also taking that time in Florida because I know the truth a little bit more about the truth of Catholicism and Protestantism and the difference in the gospel. And I mean, I think this was this was actually after now that I think about it because I didn't know very um, clearly what the truth was. Yeah. So I think I do that, and then I stay another year and a half. It's like closer to two and a half, maybe three years mm-hmm. of walking my mom through Romans and Galatians, um, and I think Ephesians, but I'm not sure, but just saying, hey, I want you to just see scripture. I want you to see that what I'm telling you is not just from my own mind. Um, it's actually in the word. Um, and so that, that was hard. Um, some, some days were good. Some days were, you know, we were both just super passionate about what we believed. And, you know, she would have her Catholic translation or, you know, Catholic study Bible and say, nope, it says it right here in my study notes. That's not what it means. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, just look, what does it say? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it was, it was tough. Um, And, you know, I think we got pretty close. I mean, again, my Arminianism came out. I was like, she was so close to getting the truth, but really it has to be that God opens her eyes um, to the gospel and the glory of Christ. Um, but then after I realized like, this is just not going anywhere, you know, they're saying, you know, don't really talk to us about, you know, they said it nicely. Don't talk to us anymore about this. You know, um, it's just too divisive. Um, that's, that's where I was like, okay, I think I'm done at least for now. Uh, at that point I've since then I've written many things 
to them, which I still don't know is, is right or wrong, but they're not reading it anyway, so it doesn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, so at that point, I'm like, okay, I have a lot of motivation now to move to California. Um, my future wife is there. Um, the church is there. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm in a hostile environment when I talk about the thing I love the most um, at home. And I'm, I can't really do that without some hostility. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't express and I I could, and I have that. I I desire that they, you know, leave that system. Um, but more so I I desire that they see that they can't do it. And I think a lot of the, the times I was talking to them, we were just going over each other's heads. We were using the same terms, but we meant very different things. When I say grace, it's not what they mean by grace. When I say um, I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ, they can say the same exact thing and mean it. Um, but we mean very different things. When when I say grace, I mean grace alone. When I say faith, I mean faith alone. When I say Christ, I mean Christ alone. But they can't say that. And so I didn't know that at the time, so I wasn't defining my terms. And it was just it was just um, kind of chaotic because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we're telling you, we think it's all by you know all all by grace through faith in Christ. There's nothing that we can do. At the same time, they're saying, unless we do these things, we're not saved. Mm-hmm. But they don't see the contradiction there, that they're trying to earn grace when law and grace have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Um, so that was frustrating because their souls, you know, I love them. Mm-hmm. I want them to be saved. Um, but I'm like, why can't you get it? Why can't you see and again, I wasn't a Calvinist, but I, of course we should still have that passion. Why? I want you to believe, you know, Paul says in Romans 10, they have a zeal for God. You know, um, I testify about my brethren. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, mm-hmm. um, for not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own. They did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for working. Um, so they didn't know that there was another righteousness that can be given to them freely. It's a free gift, Christ's own righteousness that he accomplished on our behalf as a man, as fully God and fully man in the incarnation, in his life. He can credit that to our account, but they they don't know that. Um, they think his righteousness needs to be infused into them through the sacraments, that through the sacraments, they get the grace to produce that righteousness of Christ in them. Mm. So it's their own righteousness. Um, but they didn't know about God's. Um, Romans 4, 5, God justifies the ungodly, not the godly. Um, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Faith credits that righteousness to our account. And I really wanted them to know this yeah. because, you know, Paul says in Galatians, if you think circumcision can can get you to heaven. I'm paraphrasing. Um, you have severed yourself from Christ. You have undone grace. You've put yourself under the law to keep all of it, but you're cursed if you try to keep the law by yourself in your own works. You can't do it. Um, you must fulfill the whole thing, and you've already fallen short. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to put yourself out from under the law in Christ, in grace alone. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we have to get what Paul Paul was meaning there. 
he was circumcised. He received circumcision, but he says if you receive circumcision, not in the sense of actually doing it, but if you think that that can merit you before God, it's about your mindset. It's about what you think is going to get you to heaven, essentially. When you stand before God, what are you going to say? Um, They'll, you know, we say it's by Christ alone, his work on our behalf, his perfect life credited to our account. He took the payment of our sin that we deserve in full. He took it all. It's finished. Um, And it's all a free gift of grace. I know this now very clearly what the Bible teaches. I didn't know it very clearly then. So it was very hard for us to communicate. Um, So, but that's, that passion, that desire to see them saved was still there. Um, So, and it is still there. Uh, Did that drove you to move to LA then to go to seminary out here? It was, it was a motivation to kind of distance myself. Yeah, I wanted to learn more. When I got here, I don't know, maybe you remember, I don't know if I intended to go to seminary. I didn't. Not yet. At that time, we thought, oh, um, my parents are more of a, like, be financially stable first before you, like, go off and do what you want to do. And at that time, it was like to be a pastor. So I was working to towards becoming a PA. Like, I was trying to get into PA school. And for him, it was mainly the plan was at that time to become a firefighter because um, he was introduced to the idea in Florida. So coming here, he thought, oh, California firefighter, um, mm-hmm. that could provide financial stability. And so that was his intention um, towards a career. And we were thinking pastoralship could come after because uh, firefighters can retire early and it would be good benefits and it would be like a really nice, smooth timeline where we could still be stable and do God's will. But of course, it doesn't work that way. Um, Mm -hmm. It was around like six-ish months after he came to California. He had already done like his EMT stuff and was doing um, the job and trying to get into fire academy when he signed up for the TMS information. So you can... Oh, yeah. And wait, are you guys married at this point? Or oh, no. Mm-mm. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. So I think a big part of me trying to be a firefighter was actually outside pressure, um, not really my desire. Um, I There was some outside pressure to be financially stable prior to marrying her. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, so what's a job that will allow me to study and to be a pastor while... I'm making money. And um, a firefighter, I heard they work 10 days a month, so I got plenty of time to study and teach and and do what I actually want to do. I can see myself being a firefighter, so that's why I went down that route. So Bianca was right when... Yeah, so I I applied for information for the seminary. I was just like, yeah, I'll get information. I get a call from Jesse Howard. He doesn't work there anymore. Um, but he, it was his call that God used to change my path. So I tell him my plan. I said, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm an EMT. I'm applying to, you know, fire, you know, academy. Um, but I really don't want to, I said, I want to be a pastor. I want to teach. Um, and he's like, I'm paraphrasing, but 
he essentially tells me, what has God called you to do? And I said, I think he's called me to be a pastor. And he says, do that um, and leave the rest to God mm-hmm. and, and just trust him. And uh, so I was like, okay. And I, you know, we have a longer conversation. It was so encouraging. But he ultimately was like, it's almost unfaithful for me to seek to provide for myself and not trust if God has called me this way to not go a hundred percent that way and trust him with the rest. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, you're right. And so I hang up the phone. I tell Bianca, I said, Bianca, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to apply to being a firefighter anymore. I'm just going to give my all to God. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's like, okay, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, sweet. (laughs) (laughs) And then lo and behold, God was faithful mm-hmm. through it all. Uh, he was right. God provided. And he's providing more abundantly than we ever thought possible mm-hmm. with me just walking faithfully with what he's called me to do. Yeah. So at what point did you guys get married then? Yeah. Um, so he came in January 2019. We got married January 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had, a, he had started seminary August 2019. That's when... That same phone call, Jesse's like, "Why are you waiting to be financially stable to get married? Like, if you're she's like, a believer, you're a believer, and uh, you guys follow Christ, um, God's will, then why are you waiting?" And so that's when he proposed, and then we waited for the planning and engagement, and got married in January the next year. And yeah, my parents were the main like, ob- not voice of opposition but they they did have a side where it's like they don't think it's wise because you're not financially stable um things like that but uh yeah. god uses those things too yeah, yeah. we understand their concern and we we know yeah. you know how, just how the world thinks and i guess we're just like you'll see god will provide mm-hmm. um you'll see <laughs> yeah. yeah trusting god um, right yeah. trusting that he will he is sovereign over all things, and yeah. if this is his will for you to be serving him in ministry, then yeah. he will provide. And don't don't we see it with so many other leaders in our churches, right? Well, not churches, sorry. We see it with um, our leaders in our church, mm-hmm. just how the Lord, even when it seems like it's impossible, but the Lord just opens yeah. door and just provide for them, or missionaries to, you know, go outside other countries and... They're serving there with their families and how the Lord still provides for them and care for them. Um, so yeah. who is to say that God is not going to say, do the same for you guys, right? Right. <laughs> Remaining yeah. faithful to him. And so you, your goal is to be a pastor, to become, yeah. To be I believe so. I, I have a great desire to study the word of God and preach it and yeah. proclaim shepherd. the truth and shepherd yeah. um, a people. Yeah. Um, but again, it's whatever God wants me to do. Um, if he calls me to be a missionary, uh, so be it. That's what he's called me to do. Yeah. But right now he's implanted the desire to be a pastor. Yeah. Um, wherever that is, whatever that looks like, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and you're in seminary right now. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just wonderful to see, right? I mean, like, like what you were saying, you just went through so many phases in your life and even you guys coming together, you're not hearing anything about christ and Mm -hmm. it's through him that the lord 
obviously he didn't do it the right, the right way, right? Because he's like a believer and now he's like dating a non-believer. But how the Lord just turned it out to for... And I mean, you weren't even being taught properly. Like you were not receiving no. good teaching. I mean, you're being told by people in a church that you were going to, oh yeah, just go for it. Like she's a good girl. Like she's yeah. serving. Go for it. And I think that's like where it falls that... Um, for anyone, it's like really being in God's word and really discerning whether, you know, what people are telling you, it goes according to what you're reading, you know, like, does that match what this person is saying, right? So just finding a, a good church, a good sound, yeah. biblical church, basically. Yes. Um, embrace God also that you found those books. Yes. <laughs> R.C. Sproul in the, yes. in the YouTube videos also. I'm so grateful for the Those grace of God ours. and the providence of God and the sovereignty of God. Um, yeah, whenever I think about my past, yes, it's one, it's so messy. It's such, like, all, all of it is just my sin, my sin, my mistakes, my mess ups. I did it all wrong. But God is gracious and, mm -hmm. you know, his providence worked all things together for our good. Um, mm -hmm. And now we can share our mistakes and, and glorify <laughs> God in them and, and say, yeah, he can do that. He can work even, even now. Um, my mistakes, I've learned to trust him, even in my mistakes. Um, I'm, I'm working now as um, an EMT. God has used my, my major mistake in, in my previous job. I actually got fired from my previous job. Um, because of my mistake. I don't know how much detail you want, but I'll, I'll give some detail because <laughs> it just sounds bad if I don't yeah. leave. Okay, so okay. this was when COVID first started. Yeah. We were required to wear N95s, and they're not like surgical masks. They're not like K95s. They're, N95s are really tight, and uh, for me, they give me sharp headaches, painful headaches. I get dizzy vision. And I was operating, operating a vehicle. I was operating an ambulance when I was clearly having dizzy, dizzy vision. I couldn't even walk straight. I should not have done that. So I ended up crashing it. Mm. Uh, everyone was fine. Everyone was okay. The people I crashed into were the nicest people on the face of the earth um, by God's providence. I'm like, oh, it's fine. And even their truck was like, you couldn't even tell where the dent was because there was a hundred other dents on it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but I totaled our car, our ambulance. And I was like, you know what, Lord, because I know the truth, because I know Romans 8, 28, God works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Yeah. Because I know that, I can handle this well with perfect peace, the peace that goes beyond understanding. So as I'm sitting there getting fired, getting, you know, getting yelled at and like, okay, yep, I, I have a peace because I know God's going to work this for my good somehow, for my growth in Christ, in verse yeah. 29, to, to grow me into the image of Christ. This is my, for my eternal good. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, show me what you have next. And so as I'm leaving after getting fired, not with like, 30 minutes don't go by before I get a, a call um, for my next job. Um, and it's much better. It, it does, God doesn't always do this. He doesn't have to do this. He didn't have to do that for me. He could have let me sit in my shame um, for a long time. But he didn't, he knows I can't handle it. So he, he was very gracious. Um, so he, 
he got me another job that's even better. I have more time to study. It's better pay and all, you know, all that stuff and, you know, preach the gospel more to more people at this job. Um, so I was like, Lord, you are faithful and mm-hmm. I can trust you. But that's only because, I mean, that's not only because I can think that I can, my, my, I can have that peace because I know the truth. Mm-hmm. But if I don't think that God is sovereign in all things and that he's foreordained all things for his purposes, then I will fear that didn't come from the hand of God. My mistake, that's my mistake. And God's, God can try to fix it um, if he's really smart. Um, but that's, that's not our God. Mm-hmm. We believe in a sovereign God who has determined all things for our good. Um, for our growth in Christ from eternity past. Um, Ephesians 2.10, he's even foreordained our good works. Mm-hmm. What an amazing God we serve. But we only know that. We can only rejoice in that because we know the truth. Well, now let's move on to... I'm going to ask just two of my signature questions this time. Hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to start with Bianca. Oh, we each answer them? Yes, yes. each one. <laughs> Three things that brings you joy. Um, one of the first ones, um, that I realized recently, because we started doing outreach, um, when it started back up, and I really realized that evangelizing is very, is a very hard process sometimes, uh, figuring out what to say, how to say it to people, how to approach them, but it's, you really don't realize how much joy you have in the gospel until you're actually sharing it with someone especially a non-believer mm. and um i i mean when, when he first brought up the idea of outreach i was like ew i really don't want to <laughs> um, i was like very very like digging my heels in for that <laughs> but um because i felt like totally incapable and i was like you can go, you know so much more, you're more eloquent than I would be, and I just, like, stumble over my words, and, but the first time we went, it was such a joyful experience being able to share the gospel and explain the truth as we know it from the Bible, just sharing that with people, and the biggest lesson I've learned from that is, like, God gives you grace exactly when you need it, not like the hour before when I was like worrying and anxious about, oh, how am I going to do this? It's like, he doesn't, uh, he, he does give grace like before, but like, it's also exactly when you need it because he is sovereign and he knows when is the best time to give you what. And for me, it was like, right when I was sharing the gospel and I was like, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> it was actually kind of fun. And uh, so we go there almost every week and share the gospel. So that's one of the one of the joys. You asked for three, right? Three. three. You oh. have two more. Okay. Uh, second one would be fellowship with believers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I never... I was... I didn't have a lot of Christian friends, I would say, when I was going to that small church. And coming to Grace, it wasn't until, I would say, maybe a year into um, coming to grace it was after covid when we first started really getting to know the people in our bible study so we actually didn't go to a fellowship and then bible study we went to a bible study first 
and then decided on the <laughs> fellowship oh, wow. based on that. Um, and we were like, oh, we really like this fellowship or Bible study. We like how they teach. And then so we tried the fellowship and we really like that too. It really takes a while for me to like get into um, meeting and greeting people and getting to know them. It's easier for him. <laughs> but uh, we started getting to know the individual members of our Bible study because we were doing it over Zoom. And then like when you're doing it on Zoom, it's like you have a more focused um conversation with someone and them with you too so we really started to know them more and um it was a joy to really get to understand their lives their testimony how god has brought them there and then onward to fellowship with them like because we would sometimes every other friday when we didn't have bible study we would get together um whoever was available and then we'd fellowship and talk just to really keep up with each other. So it wasn't just like every other week. It was almost like every week we would see each other and keep up with the week. So it's not like one meeting where you just have a whole bunch to share. It was like a consistent update. And I really enjoyed experiencing that, uh, just the system that God has put in place for the church. It was like loving one another, um, keeping up, admonishing, encouraging, like, it, I've really seen a lot of how he works through the church, through fellowship, and how, like, we can be encouraging to other people, and how they can be encouraging to us, and, yeah. like, how sometimes, like, oh, I learned this in the sermon I listened to, oh, it's very applicable to this person right now, and it's, like, it's really funny how you'll be, like, oh, I just got this, and now I can share it with you, <laughs> and, um, so that that's another joy is the fellowship that we have with the body of Christ. And I love how, like, when we first started coming to Grace, uh, we were like, whoa, it's super big. But someone said to us that it's um, it gets really small mm-hmm. because you just you start noticing a lot of faces that you know. And pretty soon it's like, oh, hey, hey, so like, <laughs> people that you know. And it's like, oh, you sometimes you don't even have time to like turn around from this person to that person. Like, so it's just like, it's been a great joy to really get to know the body of Christ. Um, third one, really having to work through and struggle through to understand truth. Mm. Um, it's not just like a simple acceptance, although like that can happen but it's the the process of going from hearing something on a sermon and go like I don't think that's right or I don't (laughs) understand that that happens a lot and (laughs) just like asking him questions and asking like my fellow sisters and brothers questions and really understanding how like God has shown them the truth through the Bible and just learning through how that is the truth and why that is scripturally true um just figuring out struggling through understanding Mm -hmm. the truth because like it's it's a struggle sometimes to let go of my flesh to let go of my desire to say like no that's not right or no that's not true but like who am i to Mm -hmm. say that that's not true or um yeah so it's it's just really that's one of the bigger parts of learning to, like, let God humble me 
in that sense and submitting myself to scripture. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a harder, it's a tough love kind of joy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right, Alex, you're up. I should have been taking this time to think of my three, but <laughs> I didn't do that. You were listening. <laughs> you were paying attention to what she said. <laughs> I said earlier, for me to live is Christ. Um, I love learning about him. I love reading the word. It's my joy. I love reading books about doctrine and books about Christ. Um, I wish I could do that all day. So, yeah, he's he's my joy. And I think... I think growing in him, uh, when I, when I read something or when I know like Christ said, love your enemies and years ago, I'd be like, I mean, even last year I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> love my enemies. Sure. Um, but now with the grace of God and, and seeing that he, he gives us the grace to do that. Um, like seeing that I, I can do that in obedience to Christ, um, having finished with myself, having, you know, died to myself in Christ. Um, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Because of that reality, I can do that. Um, and that's, that's a joy for me because that's, that's assurance of my salvation. Knowing that there's a hope laid up for you in heaven uh, is one of the greatest joys we can ever have in this life on this side of heaven is knowing that something awaits us. And what is the the fruit of that? The proof of that is how our hearts are, you know, right now um, toward Christ and toward others. Um, so just seeing the grace of God work that in me, um, nothing of my own, clearly. I only bring sin to the table. He brings all the fruits of the Spirit. I can do nothing apart from Him, John fifteen five. 5. Um, so just seeing that He's doing that, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, that means I'm His. Uh, that means I have a hope imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for me. First um, Peter chapter 1. Uh, so that's my first. I don't even know what to call that. Just Christ. Number two, I would say, I love seeing others grow in Christ and their faith in Christ. I can't, you know, we have so many joys as Christians, but I think that's close, close second. Um, when I see her grow in Christ... Uh, when I see our brothers and sisters come to a knowledge of the truth, like, wait a minute, you mean you mean to tell me that God can work even in this for my good? Yeah, mm. we have an amazing God. Um, or just seeing people come to faith in Christ, um, like they—that's another one added to my family. Number three, I would say. Sharing Christ. <laughs> Non-believers. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't get off of Christ. <laughs> yeah, Christ with me, Christ with others, Christ with non-believers. Um, telling them and seeing their reaction when we're evangelizing. And, and added joy is just evangelizing with my wife. Um, mm-hmm. That we can go together. Um, and that we work off of each other, you know. Um, I'll stumble and she'll pick pick me up, you know. <laughs> or vice versa. Or vice versa. But, you know walking with someone who's like in a rush to get to catch that train and be like, Oh, can I talk to you about Christ? And, you know, by the grace of God, she says, sure. You know, this and good thing. She's humbling, you know, not uh, hobbling to the train station. Um, and, and just saying, Hey, did you know this? Did you know this? And she's like, no, what? No. And then I said, read this track. 
read this track. That's our church. And then, you know, she's saying, I will read this. I never knew that. <laughs> and uh, I mean, just seeing people's, you know, faces when they come to know the truth, um, oftentimes it's not that. Oftentimes it's hostility. Oftentimes it's, it's rejection. Um, it's smoke screening. But even then there's joy because we are ambassadors for Christ. Yeah. We're serving the King. He's called us to go into all the world and make disciples. Um, so we, we have a joy in just serving him and just even planting a seed and leaving it to him uh, to take care of the rest. So it's just a joy to serve him mm-hmm. um, and, and preaching the gospel to others. And like the apostolic prophetic minister said, <laughs> um, I love teaching. I think that brings me joy. Um, wrestling with the truth, like Bianca said, so that I can present it to you guys um, and to my brothers and sisters and to the lost um, and even to my own soul. Mm. Um, I'm preaching to myself a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And that's what we need to do yeah. every day, just sharing the gospel with ourselves, like just <laughs> reminding us the gospel. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, just a great, great reminder daily of what it is that Christ did for me, especially you know, when you find yourself just like battling with internal sins, mm-hmm. it's like reminding you, you know, Christ died for those sins. So what are you going to do? And it's just to bring you to repent, right? To come before the Lord and repent from those hidden sins that are not hidden from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So since yeah. you love sharing the gospel and you just said Christ, Christ, <laughs> basically the three joys are Christ, Christ, Christ. <laughs> Christ, Christ, Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. So my last question is for you, and it is, why do we need Jesus Christ? Mm, for me? Oh, yes, it's for okay. you. Oh, yay. Oh, my choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a one-string guitar. I just play one tune. Or I don't play instruments. I clearly don't know what one tune is. But why do we need Christ? Mm-hmm. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we say this to people. We say Jesus is the only way to be made right with God, to have um, salvation. And oftentimes they say, okay, sure. Um, But how is it? What did he do? Um, What was our condition that we needed a a mediator between us and God? Um, And that's what people don't know. Not only do they not know Christ, they don't know themselves, and they don't even know the true God. So when we go evangelizing, we tell them, you know, who God is, who God really is, because people can make up their own ideas of God, and they do. We make up idols in our own imaginations. We make gods in our own image, um, even though we were made in the image of God. We reverse it. So we, we have a God, and he's very much like us, or she, or it, Um, is very much like us and likes what we like or whatever. But the true God has revealed himself in his word. And and he wants us to know him. He's a relational God. And what he's revealed about himself is, number one, that he's created all things. Um, Genesis 1.1, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it. So by God creating all things, he owns all things. The sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, he is the maker of them all. He tells them 
you'll be here, you'll be there, you'll expand like this, the sea, you'll come this far and no further. And he creates man and he owns us all. And he tells us, come to me. He tells us, obey, and we don't. Um, but he, he has a right as our creator, as God, to, to command us to obey, to command us to come to him. And yet we reject him. So that's number one, God is creator. But number two, God is holy. He cannot look upon sin with favor. He can't see your sin and just slide it under the rug and say, all is well, I'm just so you know, forgiving. I'm a cool God, don't worry, I'm just going to ignore that. That's unjust. That's not right. That's, that's unrighteous. Um, but God is a just judge. He is holy. And he will punish every sin in all of creation that has ever been committed. Um, that's just. That's right for God to do. And the truth is, it will either, either be paid by you, by the unbeliever, for all eternity. And it's eternal punishment because our sin has been committed against an infinite God. The punishment matches the crime. One sin separates you from God. God cannot forgive sin without a sufficient payment to his justice. He demands satisfaction for the the profaning of his name. So God is holy, and that's not good. His holiness requires that we be holy. He says, I am holy, therefore you be holy. Matthew 5, 48, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the standard. Um, God's law is a reflection of who he is. And his, his law is perfection. And to understand why he gave us his law, we must understand first where he gave us his law. And where is far above us. The standard is too high. Um, Galatians tells us that the law was our tutor to lead us to Christ. We need to know that we cannot keep that law. Um, Matthew 5, 48, I already said it. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, Jesus says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm like, okay, that's the law. I can't do that. I've never done that. And uh, the requirement for entrance into the kingdom of God is perfection, and we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. There's no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3 talks about all have sinned and fall short, and the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins should die and will die. And it's not just physical death, that's, that's eternal death. That's eternal separation from God because of sin. So, our problem is massive. Our problem is that God is holy and his law is holy and requires that we be perfect. And yet all we have is 100% sin and no righteousness. But someone will say, no, I'm a good person. And I remind you, Romans 3, there is no one good, not even one. Isaiah 64 verse 4. Even our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Or verse 6. 
So even your righteous deeds, God sees as far below his standard. It still counts as sin. And even the Bible tells us whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So if you don't even believe in Christ, all you do is sin, even if it's the most altruistic thing you can possibly do. So all we have is sin, and we have no righteousness. In order to be saved, we need no sin and perfect righteousness. How can that happen? Some will say, I'll just try really hard. No, you need to pay for all this. Trying really hard doesn't even work in the American court. You've, you've committed murder, let's say, or you've, you've done a terrible crime, and you say, Judge, I'm sorry, I'll try better. And the judge says, okay, no. He says, no, you must pay for your crimes. And we, we can pay for our crime, and we will pay for our crime, but it'll take all eternity to do so. And that means forever. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came fully God and fully man. He was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That's us. Matthew 3.15, when Jesus was going to be baptized by John, uh, John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus says, I need to be baptized by you. John says, no, you. why are you being baptized by me? Implication, you're the sinless son of God. You don't need my baptism, which is of repentance. He says, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus identifies himself as sinners, as a sinner like us. Um, That's why he was born of a woman born under the law. He took on our nature to accomplish what we could not accomplish. Our sin, 100%. Our righteousness, none. We need someone else who is able and willing not only to pay the full wages of our sin, we need someone who can accomplish righteousness under the law in our place and also credit that to our account. That's what needs to happen, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. That's why he came. The intention was to save a people for himself, to redeem a people, to to bring peace between God and man, and he accomplished that. In his life, he he lived a perfectly righteous life, never sinning once, always loving the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he can credit that to our account. And I'll get to that. But the next thing he did, by his death, he paid the full wages of our sin in full. Isaiah 53 is a great chapter on this. By his stripes, we are healed. He took the penalty that we deserve. The wages of sin fell on him. He drank the full cup of the wrath of God for me in full, and he said, it is finished. That means there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no more wrath. There's no more justice that demands satisfaction. God's justice has been satisfied on the cross, and God's holiness has been satisfied in the life of Christ. So, yes, for those who believe in him, the wages of our sin have been paid for in full on the cross. And for those who believe in him, he credits his righteousness. Romans 4, 5, or Romans 4, talks about Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
And the one who is justified before God is the ungodly person, Mm -hmm. not the one who thinks that they're godly, the one who recognizes that he is a sinner in need of a savior. I recognize your law demands perfection. I recognize your law demands I love you with all my being, and I can't. I recognize I fall far short of what your holiness demands, and I can't pay for what your justice demands. I need a mediator between us. I need Jesus. There's only one name that God gave under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's no other way. If there was another way, you'd think God would have done that. He would have. But Jesus is the only way. Fully God, God in the flesh, came and paid the penalty that we deserve. He took the penalty that we deserve. And he credits to us his own righteousness. So we can say, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. On that final day when we stand before God and he sees us in the robes of Christ's righteousness, we have nothing of our own. All that we had, we gave to him and he paid for it. That's, that's sin. That was our sin. We laid on him. He nailed it to the cross and it was there 2,000 years ago, paid in full. All of our sins, past, present, and future, it's been done. It's been accomplished. Salvation is a free gift now for all who would receive Christ. So for those of you who are listening, I don't know who you are, um, but I know we all need Christ. He is a sufficient Savior for any who would come to him. So the way to receive him is by turning from everything that dishonors God. And in so turning, you don't turn to anything else, no other religion. You turn to Christ alone for salvation. That's what it means to repent and believe. And if you do that, he will save you. Um, If you do that, that means he's drawn you to himself. He's called you efficaciously to himself. He will receive you. The chief of sinners has gone to heaven a long time ago. You're not too far from his grace. No one is. So come to Christ. He is the only way. Uh, There's no other way. Amen. Well, thank you, Bianca and Alex, for joining us. Thank you for sharing your testimony and also just for that reminder that there is no other way to have peace with God and to go to heaven other than Jesus Christ. And thank you, friends, for watching or listening. I will see you next week. But before that, Alex, can you just close us in prayer? I'd love to. Heavenly Father, we are here only by your grace. And this podcast is here only to exalt you and to give you glory for what you've done in the lives of ordinary people. So we we give you glory. We give you thanks for all that you've done, even in our lives, but especially what you did 2,000 years ago on the cross. Thank you for accomplishing salvation and giving it to us freely to those who would receive it. We pray that those who listen to this podcast would be encouraged um, to walk more faithfully in Christ, to love him more, to seek his glory more in his word and in his people. We pray for those who watch this who don't know Christ, that you would call them to yourself and that they would be saved. We give you the honor and thanks and praise for all these things. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.